Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Alt Reports Radio. Happy to be on here with Rob Walling today, friend of mine, uh, VC, but we won't hold that against him. Uh, and that's not what we're talking about at all today. Uh, Rob, we're going to talk about stuff that I know absolutely nothing about, which is uh, collectibles. I'm completely clueless. I don't own one damn thing. And um, I see that it's hot out there. Rob offered, come on, talk about it. And uh, so, Rob, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. It's great to be on chat with you. So uh, how did you first get into collectibles? What do you collect? Where do we even start? Yeah, so as a, as a kid, I collected comics like a lot of folks do. And I also collected cards from time to time. What happened is in 2016, I sold a startup for enough money that it made sense for me to start diversifying outside of public markets. Mm. And I realized that I had this love of, of comic books at the time. And since then I've diversified into things like you can actually see a Beatles gold record behind oh, wow. me. just a piece of art in essence, but it's an official, like this is one of maybe a hundred that exists that were huh. literally issued to the Beatles for Abbey road. Right. Wow. So I have some, I'm not a, a expert on art for sure, but comics is something that I had a kind of a history with. And as I started deploying capital from this exit, I was like, there's pl I'm plenty in the stock market. I have some metals. I had some crypto. I kind of had all the avenues and I realized what would it be like to own, you know, instead of owning a $50 comic, like when I was a kid, like what if I owned yeah. a $10,000 book and, and what are the returns on these? And so I started go getting into it uh, back then. So that's what about six years ago. Okay. So something like this behind you, there's only a hundred of them. I, I I mean, I would think that like Ringo Starr should have this at home. Is it, they sold it, they needed money. They probably, here's what usually happens. I mean, for the Beatles specifically, yeah. every time Abbey Road went gold, it's yeah. 30 times platinum. So they were 30 oh. times gold. So there's 30 okay. of them issued okay. and there's to each member of the band. So there's probably about 120 of them. The Beatles could care less about these things. So they probably got shipped to their record company, you know, the yep. record label and just sat in a warehouse and eventually people probably gave, I mean, I imagine you just give these to an engineer, like, here you go, here's your Christmas present, you know? Yeah. So they just kind of float around. There are auction houses, of course, that, that's where I got this one. Um, okay. And they're shockingly less expensive than you might think. Like I okay. believe I paid somewhere around four thousand five thousand dollars for that so in i would a competitive just competitive bid situation in competitive bid situation yeah huh. interesting versus now they're of course more expensive there's you know if hey jude with a white uh like a white backing is like eight or ten grand and i've never you know won one of those, okay but. so how do you tell me what else you collecting you started to talk about and i cut you off you started to talk about uh comic books comics yeah the the thing that i like about comics is there's more standardization like they're not one of one, when you own like a piece of, let's say original art, uh, whether it's art you hang on your wall or whether it's literally a page from, you know, X-Men number 20, you yeah. own one of one. And you, how do you value that? You don't yeah. know what it's worth until you bring it to auction mm. versus I'm going to bring a, a book up here. Um, so this is X-Men number one, the comic, right? Okay. And you can see there's a grade up here of 7.0 and that's on a one to 10 scale. Okay. The nice part about this is there are the grade is the quality? It like is. The it's condition? The condition. The condition. Yep. The condition, right. Okay. The nice part about it is since there are a few thousand of this issue that are graded, mm. there's a there's a market there. Like okay. it's not, I don't have one of one. And if I own it for 20 years, like literally, I have no idea what this is worth. Yeah. A, a 7.0 of this sells every 
quarter or every six months. So it's not super, it's not like stock, but yeah. I at least have a marker of like, well, the last one went for whatever it went for, you know, we can actually take a peek. I don't know if you want to get into the pricing now, yeah. but there's a, yeah, cool. So I'll share my, I'll share my screen real quick. We'll just dive so in. What did you pay here. for that comic that you just showed us? I will flip to my spreadsheet quickly and I paid, see, it all depends on when you buy, right? Cause the markets are okay. up and down. I paid $8,300 and I, and I bought it in 2016 and we can look, this is a, a site called GP analysis, which is, there's probably three pricing tools for comic books, okay. many more, many more for cards. Um, but you can see this is their pricing page for X-Men number one. And I can actually open, this is what's called the census. And you can literally see how many of these have been graded by this grading company, CGC, mm. which is the main one. So that's it. So there are non-restored copies. There are yeah. 4,200 total in the world that we know about. There are obviously okay. a bunch more that are raw people, you know, not everybody grades them, but you can see that my book, 7.0, there are 128 of them. Yep. And then all these books above it, you know, are, what is that? Maybe 200 above sure. it in the world. Right. Yeah. So that's the census to give you an idea. These are not, there are not tens of thousands of these. I mean, it is a small number. Yeah. And then if I wanted to check the price of what I think it might be worth, we have this interesting graph of very spiky as different, you know, people say, yes. oh, X-Men's going to come into the MCU. So it jumps up and then there's no news for a while. So it drops down. This and is like we a Bitcoin have, uh, chart, basically. A little is bit. It, it has pandemic money, yeah. right? There's pandemic money and it jumps up. And then yeah. this is Bitcoin and stocks, right? So if I were to look right now, I would say this book, these are the, all the, so that's every sale in 2022 of this book at this grade. What is Holy there? Crap. Seven? So that's from 30,000 huh? to 63,000. And you're, yep. you're saying that you invested, what was it? 8,000 five 80. years ago? Yeah. 8,500, wow. 8,900. Yeah. Six years ago. X-Men. I mean, this is the lesson. Look, if I were going to get into comics, if yeah. I were going to dip my toe in, um, I would stick to, there's only like 10 books that I would be, it's like first appearance of Spider-Man. It's all the things you've heard of. It's the first appearance of the X-Men. It's Spider-Man number one is not his first appearance, but, uh, you know, ASM number one. Okay. You can literally type into Google, like, what are the most popular Silver Age Marvel comic books? And they're going to tell you, Silver and you're going to recognize. Yeah, I like Silver yeah. Age best because Golden Age is extremely rare and hard to find. That's the Batman number so one. Just tell us what that stuff means, Silver Age and Golden Age. I don't know yeah. anything about it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Golden Age is like the 30s and 40s and a good chunk of the 50s. So, it's mostly DC. It's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, that kind of stuff. Okay. Those are very, very expensive. Like, to, to put it to comparison, right? I have an X-Men number one in 7.0. If I had a Superman number one, in, and this is worth what we just said, what did we say? In the 30s, right? 30, 35 grand? Yeah. Superman number one in a 7.0 would sell for two, three million. Holy Because crap. they're way, I mean, there's like a hundred graded in the world total, <laughs> right? Versus, so Silver Age is when Marvel took over, right? Or Marvel became dominant. And that's the that's the X-Men's, the Spider-Man's, the whole MCU, Iron Man, Thor. You guys know this. Yeah. Um, and those are more reasonably priced. You know, they're, you can get an X-Men number one in a 2.0 or a 3.0 for a fraction of what this is worth, right? Hmm. So I can still share my screen, I suppose. So you bought this through a marketplace somewhere? Yeah, that's the other interesting thing is like, there are only, there are really only four or five places 
to buy at auction. You can buy it. Most buy now. If you come to something and it's a buy now price, it's almost always above market. They're just letting it sit. Auctions are where usually where you get the best deals. And there's eBay, there's Heritage, and there's Comic Link and Comic Connect. Like those are the four that I frequent the most. Golden also has some now, but like that's it. It's not. It's that weird, like not a huge market thing. You know, yeah. we're used to public stocks that like sell constantly and have all these market makers. Like that's not it. That's not how yeah. it works. So. Hmm. Do you have some sense of what the total like market, like what the appetite is out there? How many, how many investors are there in this kind of thing? I don't know. I would guess, well, see, there's a lot of collectors okay, and then there are investors and then there are people okay. who do both. And I consider myself both because okay. I do, I buy for investment, but sometimes I also buy what I love. You know, I buy what yeah. I couldn't afford as a kid, like Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles, number one, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> there are people who, but there are now funds, right? There are like almost pr mini private equity hmm. that are, that at least during the boom, were buying them because they were going up so fast, yeah. right? Um, I would guess if I were to put a number on it, like there are certainly hundreds of thousands of collectors, but a lot of those are folks who buy new off the rack and they don't buy these old issues. Yeah. You know, people who actually buy old issues or investors or funds or anything like that, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, hmm. you know, it's like, it's like a, it's a number, but there's, there is a good chunk of money in there. You know, yeah. there's, there's money to be spent. Yeah. So do we have any kind of data? Not so obviously you wouldn't invest in something like this, or you wouldn't collect something like this if you needed the, the money soon. Right. I mean, it's not, not the kind of thing where you would, you would, uh, but uh, do we have any kind of data on how these things perform? Like what happened in 2008 or 2009 mm. for the value of these things? Do you, it, any idea? They didn't go up. They didn't go down. Um, they just stayed they right just where they were. They just kept going. And realistically, like you can see it right in this graph. This is just kept going pretty flat. Wow in general. And let's even go up. So higher grades get exponentially more expensive, right? 7.0, let's say this is the last sale at 30 grand. You might yeah. think, well, a 9.0 should just be 40 or 50, but like a 9.0 is like 160,000, right? Wow. So um, it seems like it just reaches a new plateau after a while and it's not really impacted by, I guess that speaks to the folks who are investing in that because you're, you're, you're unlikely to have an emergency where you've got to liquidate, you're not leveraged on the thing. So that's the idea. I mean, you will see, so 2008, 2009, it kind of just went up and down. It was decoupled from the rest of, you know, the craziness yeah. people who have expensive books, like right now, it's not just X-Men that's going down. It's as we know, every asset is just yeah. kind of crushed right now. Yes. So I'm not selling my expensive books because I don't sure. need to, I yeah. just park in the money. Right. And so yeah. there are some people who need to, and that's why it's dropping, but, um, you should be in a place to hold, you know, to hold them when you buy, you pay sales tax. So that's another yep. 8%. When you sell, you pay a commission. Usually it's 10, 10 to 15%, but in okay. some of the big auction houses, it can be like up to 20. So hmm. you do have to factor that in, right? You need that growth in order to offset that unless you have your own direct link to, to, uh, your customers. Yeah. Which, and so I assume, so is that must be capital gains, right? What else would it be? It is. Yep. It is. Cause it's a yep. commodity in essence, right? So yeah. short term, hold it for less than a year, short term. Yeah. Sell it for more than a year long-term, right? Yeah. The interesting thing is most of the auction houses, in fact, I don't think any of them actually report to the IRS. Hmm. So I do know some, I, w I would never do this because I'm not going to you know, uh, evade tax, but I do know that some of bigger investors who've been doing it a long time, they do just sell and like don't report. 
And yeah. I'm like, Ooh, this feels like not a good idea. Yeah. That, this is not financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. So um, what else do you invest in? You've got this record behind you. You've got comics. Is that the bulk of what your collectibles uh, are? I have one piece of original art. Uh, it's a Garfield strip that my brother and I loved as a kid and I bought the original oh. art. Um, oh. But that's more of a, I don't want to sell that. Like yeah. it's a joke within our family. And I mean, I got that for like $1,500 at auction yes. and it was just a fun thing, you know, it'll go yeah. up over time, but I'm not banking on that. I actually index in the comics to where I'm like, I want a swath. I want all the first appearances. Like I'm taking a, oh. almost a micro private equity approach of wow. when I say I'm an investor and a collector, yeah. like I collect it and I look at these books a couple times a week. Yeah. <laughs> you just look at them and, you know, I have reading copies that are low grade, yeah. that I, but I also do view it as an asset that I expect to go up over time. My hope is it would be decoupled from all the mess, much like I invested yeah. in crypto, hoping it would be decoupled. And turns out none yeah. of it is these Give days, but yeah, but that's the thing. But with a long time horizon, um, obviously, yeah. you know, these things, these things. So how many of these things uh, do you have? And is it, do you determine this by a percentage of your total portfolio, what you're willing to put in there? Or you? That's or... how I do it. Yep. Percentage. I'm very much a uh, diversification person where it's like, well, I want th you know, I'm like three or 4% into metals and yeah. three or 4% into crypto was a bet. Yeah. That's more than that now because appreciation. And that's how I feel about collectibles myself is it, yeah. it's that low single digit range. Um, it's a little more than that, both now because both of appreciation, because I started buying in 2016 and obviously you saw the graphs, things have gone yeah. up, but also because as a collector, I have, convinced myself that, well, maybe five or 6% would be fun, you know, but I wouldn't yeah. recommend that for, for most people. Well, yeah, you'd really have to know uh, what you're doing, I think, yeah. you know, and the other thing that comes to mind, a few things, one is the authenticity. How do you, yeah. if you're buying on eBay or something, how do you know what you're getting? Exactly. No, that's a great question. And in fact, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that comics and cards and coins and such have been able to be traded remotely mm. <laughs> where you just see a photo is because of grading. And okay. when I hold this up, I mean, you know what a comic book looks like, right? I have one yeah. down there I can pull up, but it's a comic yeah. book. Yeah. This comic book is encased in an untamperable plastic slab, we call huh. it. It's slab. And it is guaranteed by the CGC universe, uh, CGC, it's called Certified Guarantee Company. So okay. they're a company where, let's say I had this book raw, yeah. I mail it into them, obviously insured and packaged very well. Yeah. They look at it. They make sure it's not restored. They make sure it's authentic. They make sure all the pages are there. They grade it. And then they encase it in the slab. So this is how you ensure it's authentic. Huh. It is very, very, very rare that someone tries to um, counterfeit a slab. I yeah. suppose it's possible. Kind of never happens. I mean, if yeah. you're not feeling this, but like it's, this is manufactured plastic that you can't, if you pry it open, it breaks. It's untamper, yeah. you know not untamperable, but you get the idea. Yeah. So without that, it would be really hard because mm. you'd be, you could get screwed easily. People will take a black cover like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they'll sharpie, sharpie the, the marks on it. And that means it's restored, plummets the value. Mm. So if you were buying from a picture on eBay, you could get screwed. But once it's graded, you know, it doesn't have, you know, you know if it's restored or not. So you yeah. can properly assess it. That's really interesting. So so these are never to be enjoyed. There's, they're only to be, they're encased in plastic. They can't be opened. They can't be read. Um, That's correct. Wow. That's why. So if you want to read them, yeah, I buy 
um, low-grade restored copies. This is okay. for Prince of Mysterio to to read. Or I buy them on Comixology, which is a digital. It's like Kindle for comics, and so you can get it for two two or three bucks. Okay. So yeah, there and there is you know among hardcore collectors, there is a constituency that is really angry about slabs, and they say mm. slabbing. Of course, it's in a slab because it's a dead book. You can never read it, and I get that because yeah. I'm a reader too. But I have maybe eight or 10 raw books that are like what I just showed you that are hmm. not in slabs. Yeah. Everything else. If you're investing in books, like you, you need, if you're ever going to, if you're going to sell it, if, if you send it to an auction house and said, sell this, they will slab it first. Hmm. They will send it in to get graded because they want, assuming it's worth enough. Yeah. Um, they will send it in to get graded because that's where you get the maximum resale value for it. So when you're saying raw, that just means that there it's never been assessed by a, a like a certified or a professional assessor. Is that that's what raw means? Yeah, it's just like you'd buy it off the newsstand. Yeah, and it's usually in a sleeve, a back and board. Now it, maybe it was assessed at one point, and you can crack these out. Like I, every once in a while, I'll get one that is in there. There are three different grading companies, mm. one of which is just hot garbage. And if I get, I'll buy slabs, they go for way, they sell for 20, 30% less than the CGC. So I'll buy those at a good price, crack them out hmm. and then send them into CGC to try to arbitrage. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't because they don't grade exactly the same. So all that said, yes, you can crack them out. It's yeah. possible. It's just, it, it depletes, um, there's risk with it and it can deplete the value at raw. This, you know, X-Men number one would sell way more slabbed yeah. than it will raw. Yeah. That's just how it works. So speaking of risk, right, you've got these things physically at home. Are they in a fireproof safe? Like what if you get a leak? Is that, you know, uh, yeah. how so, do you think about protecting yourself? Yep. So there's a couple ways. Some people keep them in safety deposit boxes. I don't keep all my books here on premises for exactly that reason. Yeah. Um, fire safe. Here's the problem. Fire safes are sealed in a way that if you put a comic in there, the staples will rust over time because oh, wow. of humidity, unless you have a, some type of dehumidifier in there because they're yeah. completely air sealed. <laughs> so you can put them in a safe, but they're not fire protected. So what you do there is if you just have, let's say you have five or 10 grand worth of comics, you probably just say, that's what I got. Yeah. You know, I mean, this thing's on the back wall here. If my house burned down, you know, heaven forbid. Yeah. Uh, I'm not protected because it it's just homeowners. Like, does that pick it up or? I don't, I think you can do an adder, but it's quite expensive. There are, yeah. there are specifically some insurance companies. So collectinsure.com is who most of us use. There's a couple others. Um, there's one called Wax, I believe that just, it's like a startup now and you take pictures of it on your phone. It's like nice and tech enabled, but that's it. You get a separate insurance policy. And for a small amount of books at your house, you know, you'll pay two, 300 bucks a year when you start getting up into the you know, if you get hundreds of thousands of dollars or frankly into the millions, you know, you're paying a few thousand a year that also has shipping uh, insurance as well. So, hmm. so the, the things you've mentioned so far, like I totally get why you would get that gold record. You talked about the one that you and your brother, that was like near and dear to you. And you know, the, the number one, the X-Men number one, that kind of thing. So these are things that you like or whatever. How does, how does, if you didn't grow up on the comics, but you're looking to like sort of diversify into these things because those returns are insane uh, that you just showed like five or 600% over six years. Um, so how do you, 
how do you think about how would somebody approach this market if they're just just sort of, cold you know, stumbling yeah. in gold? And, yeah. and probably don't want all the headache of everything i'm saying here's this plastic slab kids don't crack it in half by accident right, right? um yeah. And I will say, look, the returns that I just showed you, is, it is very real. And I have a bunch of books that have done that over the past six years, Yeah, but also like past results are not future. You know, there's like, yeah, yeah. This is there's a culmination funny. right now. Yeah. There's a bull. Yeah. There's been a bubble yeah. in collectibles and oh, in everything. Absolutely. I don't want, I don't want everyone to think that, but um, yeah. yeah, the way to dip your toe in the water is actually through fractional ownership. And this has only been around for a few years. Um, there are these, marketplaces in essence that acquire an asset at auction. So literally I'm, you, I'm sometimes bidding against these fractional ownership funds yeah. almost. And so, uh, there's only a handful of them. There's rally road, rallyroad.com. That's a okay. mobile app and they do an offering multiple times a week. Sometimes it's comics, but they also have like first edition Moby Dick. Hmm. They'll have wine. They'll have cars. They started with cars, like really expensive Ferraris and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's collectable, able.com. And the other one is uh, Start Engine does it a bit. But anyways, you can search for like fractional ownership just in Google and you'll pull them all up. There's there's not that many. And they basically acquire an asset and then they do what's called a public offering. And they'll <laughs> say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one in a 9.8 is right now worth about 200 grand. And you can buy, we're going to break this up into a thousand shares at, uh, what is that? Is it 200 bucks a piece? Yeah, that's the math. Math yeah. on the internet is great. Math on a video. But yeah, it's 200 bucks a share. Yeah. And so when it comes out, you just try to get your allotment of shares. And then every quarter or so, they'll have a liquidity, uh, like a, it's like almost like a secondary offering and you can decide to sell your shares or keep them. Yeah. And keep in mind, sometimes they go up and sometimes they go down based on demand. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's really cool. I, I I couldn't get my head around the same thing with the watches when I was talking to uh, Einar about that recently. Like none of this, I've never invested in any any of uh, any of this sort of stuff. And uh, I actually, I recently went, my mother lives uh, all the way across the country and I went back there and was cleaning out all kinds of stuff. And I had all kinds of things like this. I hope there wasn't anything <laughs> raw and uh, valuable hiding in there, but you never know. Um, but I appreciate you coming on here and talking about this today. Uh, totally clueless. And I think we'll get this out around the holidays so people can can dip their toe in there. Plus, I, I think we're going to see the markets going up here a little bit. People feel, you know, maybe they'll feel a little, little rich and uh, <laughs> dip in. Mm -hmm. but, little diversification. Uh, I like having a good chunk of money outside of public assets, and this is one way to do it, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about this. And uh, I appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure.